Welcome to Can I Steal You for a Second to talk about critical theory. Who are we? I'm Emily. Um, I'm a PhD student in a cultural studies program. And who are you, Robin? I'm Robin. I'm also a student in a cultural studies program. We're PhD students. Let's just, let's be real. Let's right, just say yeah. what it is. Let's like be honest about like our journey, our story, because we're about to get like intimate about The Bachelor and critical theory. So why are you listening to us? <laughs> they don't answer back. <laughs> All right. So this podcast is going to discuss the reality show The Bachelor as a text read through a critical theory lens. Um, so Robin, do you want to talk about why we decided to pick The Bachelor as our text? Well, we it's ripe with signification. It is we both love it and we we're going to watch it anyway. So we thought let's make True. it educational. And I think that critical theory is a hot mess, and sometimes you need a funnel through which to talk about it. So picking a text to use examples is, has been really helpful for me. I mean, we I didn't exactly bring up The Bachelor in class, but I would have been helpful if our professor did, so. Definitely. I think critical theory and like cultural theory in general is just so abstract that like it's really helpful to use a common text to talk about like what is the sign and what is the signifier? Like what is Colton's sign and signifier instead of just like fiddling around with Derrida? So, well, we also want to, to do this project um, like to foreground like a digital humanities framework which is pretty cool um, this podcast isn't just about us like talking at you but it's about like lister engagement and like a living document syllabus so we can all muddle through critical theory together and hopefully come out with an understanding of what actually is deconstruction because I'm still not sure yeah, we're going to, we just finished our theory class, like our foundation class for our program. And I can't say that I know everything that I even remember what we read. So this for us, we're sort of going to do some self-teaching through, um, what did I call it? I had it, it was like digital discourse. And project-based learning. Yeah. Yeah. So that's fun. So I guess now that you know what this is, um, what is our history with The Bachelor? Like, how did you first start watching The Bachelor? Okay, so something you need to know, we're a multi-generational podcast. <laughs> Emily is very much is much younger than me. I am 87 years old. <laughs> and I'm a baby. Yeah, she's a little baby. Um, I am proud to say I have probably been familiar with it from the beginning. I remember the first season way back when. This is the 23rd season, I think. Yeah, it is. Although that doesn't mean that it's been 23 years because now they cram... Like 8,000. Literally yeah. 8,000 in a year. So we have a lot of catching up to do. So I remember it. It was like in my ether. Mm. But that was back in the day where you couldn't, where you could like maybe record things on a VHS. I don't Ooh. think there was deep. I know. I oh. was like, I was actually a baby when yeah, there was Yeah, you were VHS. literally a baby. Yeah. yeah. And I remember that. And then there was, for some reason, nobody gave a crap about the first season. And then the second season was Helene and Aaron. Mm. And they were kind of this big couple. Um, and everybody was excited about that, but then they broke up, of course. So I really got hooked on the season with Andrew Firestone. Oh, I totally remember him. Firestone Tires. No, Firestone Wine. Oh, he so was sorry. Very, he was very Whoa. adamant about that. They weren't about the tires anymore. He was all about the wine. Love it. He had a winery, and that was the season. I mean, I had a big crush on him, and that was the season that I got hooked. And he that was the time where they still tried to, like, pick like bachelors from the world that they thought were and usually they were like rich right. and traditionally good looking and we didn't have this like meta uh thing where everybody's from the same you know trash pile for sure of people I, what's your what's your history i feel like the season that i remember the most was juan pablo oh. I, I yeah i started watching like as a joke with my friends for the like, yeah like in undergrad we were like let's watch it like this is a trash show and then we just kept watching so juan pablo was definitely i'll never forget him um and was it it wasn't christina she was claire like, claire yeah like and her when she freaked out at him like that was the highlight of my life and I've been watching it <laughs> ever since um it's my fave I love to hate it I love Bachelor in Paradise um and I'm 
I, I don't know if I'm excited for Colton as The Bachelor, but... I oddly dread it, but, like, in a good way. Yeah. Like, I dread it, but I can't wait to be angry. Yeah, he's just so boring. I mean, Becca was, like, she was really boring, and Ari was really boring, but, like, I don't... Well... Is any more anyone more boring than um, that farmer guy who was recently <laughs> going to jail, so maybe he's not so boring? Yeah, um, Chris Solis. Um, Sol- Sols. <laughs> Um, yeah, he's, I guess, like a murderer, like a manslaughterer. Um, well, at least he's interesting. That's true. Something he has more going on. So, okay. Well, something, something you should, something you should know about me is that I don't believe in guilty pleasures. So I don't feel guilty about watching. And I think it is a legitimate show. And as well, not a lot of people know this. You can, everybody can watch a show and interpret it in a different way. So I can enjoy it and be critical of it at the same time. Yeah, and I think this is, it's really fun to use The Bachelor's text because, like you said, I think so many people think of The Bachelor or The Bachelorette as, like, a guilty pleasure. Um, And that's just generally for all reality television as, like, a site of, like, cultural critique that this Mm -hmm. is, like, it's low quality. It's, like, designed and marketed, like, you know, for, like, a mass audience. And so I don't think that even like critique of any reality shows, it's getting better, but I don't think it's recognized in the same way as if we were... I don't know, critiquing Balzac or whatever. But so this is exciting to be able to like use theories that like we want to learn about for a show we actually like. I want to say something about reality TV. I mean, there's always been reality TV, but I would say we're at like the 20 year mark of having Mm. reality TV really be, um, I mean, it's kind of a genre, but there's so many different subgenres. And the thing about reality TV that I love is that kind of liminal space between the scripted because I think if you don't know by now that reality TV isn't real I don't I mean I would love I would love to live in that world where you're so innocent and you know pure yeah so I think that that makes it really interesting and I love the idea of this we all kind of buy into this reality and in order for it to work we all act as if it is real, even though we don't know it. And that's something that really interests me um, as far as um, I have done studies on judgment houses and folk drama, um, which has a lot of that professional wrestling has a lot to do with this. And I'm actually hopefully presenting a paper on how The Bachelor uses um, performance theory like professional wrestling, which we can get into. Yeah. Um, all right. Okay. So I guess are we... Are we going to move on to to our, our hot take on The Bachelor in general this so far? This is a hot take. Insert yeah. a soundbite that has like fire burning or like an explosion. Yes. So Colton, as we said, pretty boring, pretty boring. But what ABC does not think is boring is how much of a virgin Colton is. They love to talk about this. Um, so you like have done some interesting work on virginity or intimacies like the stuff that you brought up about like male virginity I found really interesting when we were like talking and like preparing for this yeah so that came out of um I took a seminar and I've done some research on romance novels which has a lot of crossover with this as it kind of it takes tropes from romance novels and kind of the idea of romance and what even the hell that means these days uh so Colton's so there's a couple things I want to bring up with that one is I just wonder if he mentioned it in passing and the producers were like oh my god or b some people say he's faking Mm, interesting c I think we have to talk about uh some current things like incels and kind of how virginity so just for people that don't know what incels are, what do you, how would you describe incels? Um, You're inc- the expert on like alt-right. Yeah, I'm big into alt-right digital culture. So The Bachelor, I mean, who did, oh, Becca's pick of Garrett with yeah. his problematic Instagram post was um, very interesting to me. Yeah, so I'm big into alt-right digital cultures. Not You're big into studying it, yeah. Yeah, not studying study- it, not a white supremacist <laughs> at all, um, into my research interests. But mm-hmm. yeah, so an incel is an involuntarily celibate um usually ma'am um and usually these are men that are very angry at society women they feel like um 
women um, are Stacy's um, and they're having sex with Chad's or alpha males. They feel like they're she's doing air quotes. Um, Yes, I am. So they're um, these these men are being denied sex from women and women owe them sex. And they're sort of these marginalized, um, you know, figures in society because um, they're not getting any. And usually they're um, very far right. And usually they're white. Um, Lots of this activity in reddit and 4chan so so it's interesting because then now we have colton who is although he is for me is the equivalent of like a boiled potato he is considered (laughs) attractive like conventionally attractive i don't see it but i'll accept it yeah you'll yeah well this is a no body shaming or look shaming podcast of course not no i mean we will comment on it but we're not going to shame it but he's just not for us he's very traditionally good looking in what convention would say he's kind of almost like an average it's like every man that is considered good looking was like put into a computer and this is like the The morphed face because it's just it's it's everything like that so he is a virgin it's interesting that he is quote-unquote allowed to be a virgin because he has all the signifiers of masculinity i mean he's got he's a football player he's a football player he's white we can't forget that so it's just interesting that they're presenting this, and I wonder, and I really don't want to ask any, but I wonder how incels feel about this. I bet they're pretty angry because they're like, oh, he's co-opting our cause mm-hmm. in some sort of twisted fantasy. So he's he um, is a virgin, and I think that it's going to, first of all, I think it's the only like personality trait he has. Probably. Other than that, he cried once. Well, which is I, interesting like i would love to see more men show emotion true i mean abc was really reaching when they did the promo video where the all of like the the dogs ran over him and that was colton's personality trait was dogs like him so yeah yeah so dogs like him <laughs> and he's a virgin so the article that i was talking about as oh i should we should say that we're gonna put all like show notes if we mention a reading we're gonna give you all the info in the notes if you want to read more open source syllabus yeah and i actually um so this article is by oh i actually remember the name it's by jonathan allen who is a great writes about um mm romance that's male male and he was talking about the male virgin in romance novels which you don't often see um but when you do see it it is usually because of some sort of trauma or hardship um like they had to join the army right away and never was around women or they had to take care of their families so the virginity in itself is it's almost like an excuse for it they're like if they didn't have to do x they would definitely like get laid all the time Mm. so it's an interesting thing and then you know women as virgins in romance novels is kind of an old-fashioned thing not that it can't happen anymore but um something that's interesting i've also read about this is that like well i mean we're going to talk about brass tacks now i mean when you talk about virginity um there is it's very bodily and it's like crossing a border and like at what point do you penetrate at what point both literally and figuratively um and at what point you know does that in romance novels does that occur kind of in the in the arc of the story and how that affects it and i think i think the bachelor is how would you say i mean there's a lot of sexual politics of the bachelor i mean they have a fantasy suite episode yeah i think what is really interesting to me is like with this virginity thing that colton when he was talking about this with becca last season was he said he wasn't necessarily waiting for marriage if i recall but just the right person so it's this interesting like redux of like neoconservative family values that waiting for marriage is too old-fashioned but you're just waiting for the for the white the right oh and the white (laughs) freudian slip we'll talk about white supremacy soon but um yeah like waiting for like the right white person um and this fantasy suite is this fetishization of of this notion of purity but here like male purity which is very interesting and there's already i mean the women probably part of the appeal or less or at least they're going to present the appeal is who's going to take colton's virginity of course and well we already see that there is there's i mean eight thousand girls not as many Laurens this year. Yeah. But one of them has never been kissed, which is totally cool for her. But that's her, like, bio description. So I think they're definitely going to be playing the Madonna and the whore. Yeah. Um, so we'll see about that. There's also a girl that says that 
her occupation is sloth, so we can talk more about that later. Yeah, put a cap on that because I have a lot to say about humor on The Bachelor and kind of how what they think mm-hmm. humor is and how they use it. Um, okay, what else did we want to say about virginity? Um, I guess this kind of goes into like this, um, my Freudian slip of this relentless whiteness of yep. The Bachelor. Um, yep. You know, you, we can't talk about critical theory or just even The Bachelor at all. Um, without talking about white supremacy um, and critical race theory, Colton is relentlessly white. The Bachelor is. Um, I think Rachel was the first time that we had um, a black female protagonist. Um, and ABC Family got scared, I guess, and then picked Ari, who also was like a boiled potato of a person, um, to follow her. Um, oh, the worst. Yeah, he was terrible. So was Lauren B. Um, They're having a baby. They're having a big, boring baby. <laughs> <laughs> they sure are. Um, but so obviously like racial politics are going to be um, very important for us in the show. We're going to have a whole week on critical race theory. Um, but I'm excited to talk about like performing whiteness um, and how like the show is like a symbol of this like um, neutralized like cultural white supremacy that you're literally propagating a new white race on the show. Um, and you had some interesting like this notion of like genetic superiority or like this weird... I don't know, like The Bachelor as, would we say, like settler colonialism? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, kind of the idea. I mean, you're searching for the ideal mate and what they consider ideal mate is who even knows, you know what I mean? Just somebody who, um, you know, likes fireworks and... Um, <laughs> is a size, not a four, two. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of this idea of like picking from a stock of women and this eugenic eugenics idea of like, mm. you have to pick the best one because you're you know the idea is that you're gonna have kids so it's kind of this weird um genetic thing like genetic picking in a way um and I I think it's like I I think it's fine that they pick people based on looks I mean that is the reality I'm not shaming that but it's you always know who's gonna get picked by it um I think all the women are conventionally attractive but there's I don't know there's a certain look or something we should do an out al- somebody who's a statistician should do an algorithm about like brunettes and blondes and features um and i bet uh, you know we don't even need a status i could probably tell you how it is and how yeah the golden the ratio tr- face yeah, yeah exactly exactly i actually think that's why i liked andrew firestone i mean i'm not he's a good looking guy but he is doesn't fit that like traditionally attractive bachelor face like they're like crystals has bachelor face ari has bachelor face Colton definitely has bachelor face. Oh, can we just jump back to Rachel for a second? Rachel was a queen. She was great. We didn't deserve her. I think that I kind of feel bad for her because I think there was pressure for her. Like, what if she didn't pick a man of color? Like, what would that say? What if she did pick a man of color? And there was a lot of pressure on her. Obviously, she picked wrong. I mean, who was she was on? I know we all miss Peter who what season was she oh she was on Nick's season I mean that proves that she has terrible taste in men so like we shouldn't have been surprised oh you're um, not a Nick fan not a Nick I mean I love that Nick is more self-aware than anyone ever on the show but he I wouldn't say that he is deserving of Rachel in any way shape or form well they're Um, they're not together now oh they broke up no he no Rachel no Rachel picked some guy the fitness instructor yeah (laughs) Nick would picked Vanessa. They broke oh, up. Oh right. She I don't like Nick because he was mean to Sean Booth, who is my favorite like bachelor guy of all time. I don't know why. He's just so dumb and emotional. That was um was he with Caitlin? They broke up. I know. That's that was I wish we had this podcast during that season because the norm shattered like yeah. iconic amazing Caitlin feminist icon um Thank you for the work that you've done. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, and this goes to like another point, I guess, that we have that like looking, like thinking about like um, audience theory, right? Or like yeah. The Bachelor as like a text, but also The Bachelor is like a viewing experience. Who is the audience? How is this show like commodifying and packaging like social relationships? Yeah. Um, well, heteronormativity, of course. Of course, yeah. I just want to add, we're jumping around with a lot of theory, but we're kind of giving an overview, and we're going to be, like, each week we we are going to kind of focus in on a specific theory, but it's also okay if we 
jump around. Right. It's just like your seminar. Everything's connecting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like we're going to go like a deep dive into all these things. We just want to like give you a taste of like what we're, what we're thinking about already from watching some of the promo trailers um, and checking out the contestant bios. Um, okay. Just going back, um, I just, we mentioned the puppies early. So <laughs> if we, so I love, the reason I love this show is just, I love the whole um, kind of production of it. And I love thinking about how it's chosen the behind the scenes. We both follow some contestants on social media. Although I've just, I just did a mass unfollow of a lot of them because I don't care about them. I don't want tummy tea. I don't care about their workout videos mm-hmm. and um, I have no need for them, but it is a very much it's, I mean, I think that people go on the bachelor. I mean, if you go on the bachelor looking for true love, bless your heart. I mean, that's your journey, like, so happy for you. But I think you go on thinking about, can you get sponsorships? Is this going to lead to a talk show? Are you going to go on Dancing with the Stars? So, and talk about commodifying. So the audience as women are commodified. Right. So talking about some of the ads, um, I know with Colton, it's usually kind of he's in a suit. There's one where he's working out. The puppies, what are we actually selling? Like, what is the commodity that's being sold? Yeah, and I think what's really interesting is that it's not only is it, like, relentlessly white, it's relentlessly, like, like basic that we were talking about. It's relentlessly mainstream where, this ba- like, The Bachelor is, like, the golden Labrador of dogs. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. it is, like, moderately, like, acceptable to everyone and what is packaged and sold is like this sense of like of a journey of an experience that you're getting to access someone's someone's intimacy someone's romance and it's on your screen but there's also of course drama thrown in because we want to be entertained and so what does that say about family values what does that say about um like mass culture today we're definitely going to bring in some marks and some so I, in fact we're going to have marks in the studio <laughs> yeah guys we didn't want to tell you like too soon but we got him we, what a get what a get for us like you know just tune in like week seven like yeah he's gonna be great yeah the other thing i want to say about the bachelor and the because we're talking about the bachelor's the bachelor podcast is this idea that the producers or creators are in on the joke, but sometimes I don't think they are. They know what the audience wants. And the thing that I actually, that does annoy me is bachelor fantasy leagues where people choose things kind of based on like a baseball fantasy league, which I know nothing about uh, sports. I know nothing about sports, but the bachelor is now treated like a sport. And it was kind of funny when people did that on their own, but now like the actual, I think there's like something you can download from the website. And the fact that they are promoting that is this weird mix of we know we're in on the joke but we're selling it anyway and some of the editing is kind of crazy um I think they have a little bit more fun with Bachelor in Paradise kind of with that campy opening and they have the poor Claire they edited it to make it look like she was talking to a raccoon I mean yeah she deserved more she really redeemed herself on BIP I want I I just want her to find happiness I mean, yeah. This is, so, (laughs) I don't care for Tia, like, so strongly, like, I actively. Oh, yikes. So, she is, so, oh, Tia. Tia, Tia's a lot. I don't want to know that she loves God brunch and, like, skinny jeans. Messy, messy top buns. Yeah. I mean, I, like, respect her choices. I respect that she loves christ and mimosas at the same time um but yeah i mean the the people that are selected i mean that's another thing like not just physical appearance but also the way these different contestants are edited to appear like so uniform like you know i follow baby becca on instagram who is Mm -hmm. now pregnant congratulations babies having babies yeah so she you know on her instagram very very different from her you know presentation on the show so that's like another thing i'm very interested in is this like this dissonance between like the real and like the production and then what becomes real and produced when like you do buy into this and then you you do rely on tummy tea like on your instagram to sell this type of persona um and I think that that happens to women more than men, like women that go on The Bachelor versus men that go on The Bachelorette. 
the men probably sell like workout do workout stuff right like they always get a workout video the reason i brought up tia also because i just don't care for her is a couple things one is she kind of ushered in colton in a way because colton was on becca's season and then the big news was that she and that colton had went out with tia maybe on like one or two dates and the big the big hot take on bachelor in paradise is that colton would show up and tia they had a relationship now as an old person i understand dating rituals have changed (laughs) but they only went out a couple times and there was like this ownership and there was this idea that Colton owed Tia because they went out really rubbed me the wrong way and I think they were doing it for ratings because they were really grasping at a story to do but she just you know and then they hung out in Bachelor in Paradise and he was like you know what I don't think see this is going anywhere and he was like a villain for it when he literally they went out a couple times he didn't like her and there was this whole idea for me it started this whole idea of people saying they deserve love they deserve happiness and they keep telling people like you deserve this you're so worthy are they though and i'm i'm asking like in the whole like this philosophical idea of like do we all deserve love are we entitled to love yes we're all entitled to like human empathy and like human rights and everything but this idea that somebody like deserves love just cuz they're pretty and I don't know. It's just a very yeah. interesting concept to me that we're supposed to feel like, like, does Colton deserve love? Well, that goes to, like, another thing I'm very interested in, like, where this, like, he is, like, property of Tia and that, yeah. like, he transgressed these norms by yeah. deciding to date other people and how, like, this whole show is a great example of containment theory. Yeah. Um, how, you know, we can have this, like, sexual smorgasbord, two fantasy suites, date multiple women, like, you know, have these multiple open relationships, but it all comes down and it all comes back to proposing and committing to one person. And so, you know, it's unthinkable that you could come to the end and you could say, no, I want to pursue a relationship with both of you at the same time, that, like, we are in you know, a different type of relationship. Um, Wouldn't that be amazing if the final two um, were like, let's just all see where this goes. Yeah. I want to bring up one of my favorite reality dating shows of all time, Rock of Love. I don't know if Ooh, you know it. Before my time. Yeah, you, yeah. Um, and um, the lovely Brett Michaels. I love him. Did he, is he the one that wore, like he wears like a uh, a kerchief? Yeah, with a wig attached. Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. he does, he does. All right. Um, it's his thing, it's his brand. He, when he got down to the final two, he actually asked them, would you both consider being my girlfriend? And I was like, love it. Cool. They said no. Which is fine. Yeah, which is fine, but I just like that he was yeah. into that. And um, yeah, so I think there's this like neo- conservatism happening and I'm not talking politically like this idea of like traditional dating Mm -hmm. and you asked me out so now you are mine and if you date somebody else it's a personal affront it just really rubbed me the wrong way it's very neo-hetero too where like you do get to like play within these boundaries but that you know the family is still reproduced in this way like you're still coming back to like the bourgeois like you know two-parent like family unit that like deviance is contained but like we as like an audience usually a woman identified audience gets to like be titillated by this like alleged like transgression yeah so tia ruined everything that's my thesis on that (laughs) um yeah tia i mean god she's cried so much um which I don't mind I like a cry I like a crier we love Ashley yeah I just, although her that whole thing is a sham her whole engagement is a sham yeah I I want Ashley to be happy I really do um but she was just more fun when she was like showing some angst I think also <laughs> I think she can do better than Jared sorry yeah. Jared um sorry Jared I know you're listening yeah <laughs> I know that you guys are going to be guests on like next week yeah but um yeah. Well, they also could be trolling everybody and just doing this to get all the free publicity and the free stuff and do, it sort of like performance art. I mean, The Bachelor is performance art because it is all performative. Yeah. Speaking of performative, the whole – so this whole idea – so back in the day, they used to kind of like <clears throat> choose bachelors who they thought were like kind of this idea of the eligible bachelor. 
Right. And then at one point they tried to pick <laughs> they picked Jerry O'Connell's brother one year, which was a real mess. Um, so maybe they were going with pseudo celebs. But then they started this it's this assumption now that the next Bachelor or Bachelorette will be someone from the current cast. And I have read that at first it's because people know them and they're going to invest so that way they get viewers of the show. But it's become this just simulacra of like yes. this meta text about almost this like formed society from within that's really kind of a nightmare. Yeah, I think it's – I'm, like, looking at some of the pictures of the women right now, um, and it's interesting to see their, like, adjacencies to different – like, I don't think any of them have been on the show or, like, necessarily affiliated, but I think we have two, like, Miss North Carolina. We have, like, a Miss Alabama. Um, you know, we have these people that are, like, fame-adjacent, and so existing in this, like – you know, digital space of Instagram and of like and of beauty and of self presentation, and that they're you know self reproducing, respawning on The Bachelor, hopefully to sell tummy tea after and not Mary Colton because that would be super boring. Um, also, your wedding night's gonna suck. Yeah. Well, we'll see how the fantasy suite yeah. goes. Um, Do you think he's going to lose his virginity in the fantasy suites? I mean, I don't know. I hope so. I. I think Colton should like go out and get laid right now. I guess this is it's already happened, so he's already engaged, but if he could go back in time and hear me, I think he should sleep with anyone. Yeah. Before let, let me be clear, and I don't want to speak for you, Emily, but like that is your choice. And if you want to wait for marriage, like I go for am it. in total support for that. So if he doesn't wanna sleep with people in the fantasy suite, like That's he, his thing. like agency over your body, great. But the ritualism and the fetishization yeah. is like fascinating. I wonder if they made a deal with him and said, Oh, wouldn't this be sick if they were like, You can be the bachelor, but you have to have sex in the fantasy suite mm. because that's ratings. Like, that is literally the climax. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> nice. Well, it's interesting too that like we have like a, I can't find her. She's just one of the little, um, as Paris Hilton says, one of the little blonde bitches. Um, but Paris Hilton's kind of back, but that's a whole other conversation. She, yeah, she's, she's definitely back. back. Scene, um, and I'm here for it. Yeah. Email us about um, that if you're interested. What's our email? Um, actually, I'm looking for Bachelor Critical Theory at gmail.com. Of course. So um, we'll get back to like our rules of engagement, okay. you know? But all of these women, they're all in the younger side, I have to say. Colton is 26. That's pretty young. That's like pretty young. I'm younger than colton i guess i'm like. older than colton <laughs> um if, colton's my son <laughs> if, if there's any um math grad students listening just, you can create like a regression table based off that information um but they're 22 231 so like tapping in pretty young and tapping in with like some of the previous seasons like we had people that were doctors or like more i don't know Ad executives, and, yeah, just managers. like a different type of professional set. Which real is, estate. Oh, there was a lot yeah, of real estate. a lot of real estate, and so now we're seeing obviously people who are going on the Bachelor because this is also a professional or career move. Um, yeah, it's a, it, to be an influencer, to be on reality TV, there's this in, there's this infrastructure created that once you go on a show, that if you have a successful franchise, they have kind of a funneling system because then there's Bachelor in Paradise. Yeah. Um, there's other networks that have that look for former reality contestants as well and oh what I was going to say about the age thing is that it's a real shame because I think it would be more interesting if they had a show where everybody was in their 30s because then you know what you want yeah a little bit more and I think the stakes are higher and I think you'd see more interesting relationships and people more sure of themselves but God forbid you have a woman over 30. Yeah, most of these, most of the people are skewing in pretty young. We have, um, and again, like, and it's normal to like, for example, who is it? Um, I can't find her. Courtney. She's a 23-year-old caterer. And that's a normal job to have when you're 23. But, and no shame on anyone that's married when they're 23. But this is a very different type of, type of, like, romantic and sexual relationship that you might have with someone like you said versus if you're 
oh my god god forbid 35 because Ugh. that's it's actually illegal to show a woman who is over 35 on television so no it's not thanks for the clarification <laughs> basically um well what else what else do i mean for some things to look forward to um we have some ideas of some like i guess textual games we could play with you guys mm-hmm. um i'm thinking of some of the catchphrases um what have we heard these signifiers a fairy tale a journey let's do the damn thing princess um my person i i want to like burn the phrase my person to the ground can we unpack that for a second so what i am assuming is that it is referring to this weird almost like reference to animals like when you say you know how you used to say like that's my cat but then they'd be like the cat would be like that's my human oh yeah i also don't like that as well just sidebar that's what i think it's from and it's this weird it's a little bit gross just because we're maybe I'm cynical, but this idea that like my person, meaning there's only one person for somebody. Yeah. And that's the whole, and then that's another kind of buzzword is they talk about soulmates. Oh, definitely. Very heteropatriarchy. I, um, I don't believe that there's one person there's, I don't believe on a, in a one-on-one, like in the world. I think that you can find somebody that you do want to spend the rest of your life with, but like, a slide Gwyneth Paltrow sliding door situation like maybe you, if you met at work like maybe you didn't take that job or maybe you didn't meet somebody everyone else like you will meet somebody else so I think that that's a little bit um that's part of the narrative is this like soulmate thing yeah and apparently you can only go on a reality show to find it so the my person thing is kind of gross um what else did they say um yeah, Becca was let's do the damn thing. And I oh, think she was really said that once. One time and Chris Harrison never let her forget it. Yeah, and they need I That's mean, the problem is like they try to market this person, but they go too far where it's it just it feels forced. It is and very I don't know forced. If that's maybe it's ironic. What I don't know. Let's do the damn thing. I'm gonna say let's do how many times can I say let's do the damn thing? I mean they also they definitely I don't know. There's a lot of like inside, I can't say simulacra. Um, I struggle. Um, I'm doing my best. Um, We're all just doing our best. Yeah, we're doing our best. It's finals right now. But um, (laughs) we're both done. We're done. Um, But what was I saying? Yeah, just like, oh, how like bringing back Ari all the time in Becca's season. Like it was like they were like contractually obligated to be like, oh my god like I'm not gonna be like Ari like during once during the date and I'm like Ari was first of all not even cute and his personality was like Kraft mac and cheese like for real so it's just so it's so insular like the way that it's like it's so like his the height personality of was, was plain macaroni how dare you I mean I would never say that he was like Annie's mac or anything okay. I haven't had dinner yet so I'm like pretty hungry okay. um but yeah so where were we going with this oh these phrases so we would like to know like things you hear in seminar and in the mansion i mean the first like phrase that i can think of is i'm not here to make friends which i definitely have said in graduate school seminar definitely that was the first first thing you said like on the first day of class i remember that i was like my research interests are digital cultures and diasporas and i'm not here to make friends i'm here for the A. You actually stopped the professor. You were like, before the <laughs> syllabus gets handed out. Um, so I'm sure that we're going to hear some other things. What else do they usually say? Um, mm, well, we'll, well, we'll, we'll know it when we hear yeah, it. Yeah, but we'll we would like you um, to email us um, if you have a favorite phrase. And we'll also, like, you know, keep our ears out. Things you hear in seminar and in the mansion. We're also going between, though, the most anti-Judith Butler thing that was said per episode. Um, Judith Butler is kind of a deity in our field. Definitely. She, she's fallible. She's fallible. She's of done course, some things. Of course. She's done th- some things, but she's also amazing. Um, but I think that this show, maybe it's her personal nightmare, or maybe this is perhaps the greatest text to read gender performativity on ever. I don't know. Do you think Judith Butler watches The Bachelor? Yeah, email us. <laughs> <laughs> Judith Butler. If you're Judith Butler, email us. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, or connect with us on LinkedIn. Um, <laughs> um, what else are we interested in? 
I want to, we should just talk about the women um, that are on the website just as sort of like first impressions because this is a big Yikes. thing when they introduce the cast. Now, from reading um, the book Bachelor Nation, which came out recently, and I don't know the author, look in the show notes, which was um, this journalist did a behind the scenes of kind of the idea of when you join the Bachelor Nation, which means once you're on the show, you're sort of in the family. And they actually, I don't know if you know this, but they actually pay for them to go on cruises together and hang out together because they want, oh. they want people to date within the Bachelor Nation. Neil Lane loves it. Neil Lane, yeah. If you're listening, Neil Lane. <laughs> Email us. Yeah. Email Feature us. Feature guest, Neil yeah, Lane. Yeah, if you have any questions about Das Kapital, so, email us. what, and uh, I almost said crime and punishment. <laughs> we're not we're not textual studies. No, we, we just no. like close textual reading. Yeah. So, what they do is, uh, from what I understand, they fill out a, everybody fills out a questionnaire when you're auditioning, and that questionnaire actually turns up as your biography on the website which i think is interesting so some of these are really um cringe inducing for instance demi or demi 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 she's related to zizhok actually yeah <laughs> demi grew up in rural texas and is a proud country girl okay that's fine she loves atving fishing and watching wwe okay kind of a stereotype but fine. okay. she can also drive a stick shift She's ready to put her pursuit of Colton into overdrive. Ooh, yikes. Keep an eye on this one. Like, yikes. Yikes. Um, I almost considered going to a Bachelor casting because I am a Bachelor super fan. I am a, in a committed relationship, but, I mean, I would risk it all Brad. to be on the show. What would you say your profession would be? My profession? Um, I feel like they would call me, like, old shrew or something if they let me on the show <laughs> I don't i'm know. a crone they would be like underneath <laughs> it would be like crone um yeah but like the the process is very like intense like they had an open casting call at um hera's a casino and like you have to come in and like Classy. they said it would last like eight hours and like you have to wear high heels obviously and blah blah, blah. like obviously it's just very um i don't know very problematic but I guess once you get in, you're on tummy tea forever on that grind. Let's talk about there are women of color in this cast. Um, which is cool. Which is cool. I don't think they're going to make it very far. Yeah. Especially with Colton. Yeah. I think it's interesting to see The Bachelor doing this like calculus of, um, of you know, okay, finally we have Rachel. We have the first like black bachelorette. And then I think. I don't know if you guys remember Eric. I loved Eric. I do too. He was great. He would have been a great bachelor. He was, he had a great personality. He was cute. He was like, he was really funny. He would be like a fun person to watch. And they picked Ari instead who lived like, I, I'm about to he's call like, 911. He's, like, he's a bag of hair. <laughs> he is the worst. And so it's interesting to like see their calculus that like, oh, obviously like this wasn't, this wasn't lucrative enough to continue on our, you know, corporate diversity track of, you know, having the first black male bachelor. So with such a commercial property, though, I mean, we're only going to get equity if people are watching, like it all comes down to money, right? Yeah. So I don't know um, what will happen to some of these women. I want to talk about Catherine. Catherine's 26. She's a DJ from Fort Lauderdale. Oh which... my God! I'm um, Catherine. Also, is bringing her Pomeranian with her. Well, you love that. I love Pomeranian, so I'm already invested in Catherine. Um, less invested that she's a DJ. By night, Catherine is DJ Agro. Oh my God! An up and coming hip hop DJ making a name for herself in the Fort Lauderdale club scene. <laughs> Along with her dog daughter Lucy, Catherine is hoping to spin her way into Colton's heart. Two things. Um, please tell those of you in the Fort Lauderdale club scene, email us, tell us how that is. I'm actually going to be over the break near Fort Lauderdale. Should I, should I check out? Now, do you think DJ agro means DJ agro as an aggressive, aggressive? or an agriculture? <laughs> She's, I could see her being interested in like, like agricultural policy. Obviously. I'm surprised I didn't make an animal husbandry joke. There was like clear opportunity for that. Who is the girl who, I'm sorry, woman, I'm sorry is the sloth oh alex um i think we have two alexes i want to say she's alex d i really no, we have don't... two hannahs oh okay i 
don't appreciate that they're calling her a sloth, but um, I think she. Oh, and the other one, there's a content creator. Oh yeah, there's. Um, I'm interested to see the former. Is it yeah, Miss Carolina or Miss North Carolina, and then Miss is it Alabama? Um, those little pageant queens. I think we can already say that DJ Agro is probably going to be the villain oh, um, of the season. I um, hope. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Um, the sloth is Alex D. So you can connect with her on LinkedIn um, under sloth. <laughs> you, you love that joke. You love <laughs> Emily loves a LinkedIn joke. I love LinkedIn. I'm like. She is the premier LinkedIn humorist. Yeah. But Wait. um, who else do we have? We have someone who's doing broadcast yeah, say journalism. Something, I, because I can't find Alex D. So. Um, it's not great um oh angelique we loved her top we just like to say she's um she's in marketing and sales in new jersey which is fun she obviously has good fashion sense um the, the other thing is about the styling of these women mm-hmm. like they're all styled exactly the same way yeah in this weird like that makes them hard to tell apart at first i mean they all have the tv hair which is hair that's straight but like curls on the bottom they're all wearing like they all they're all dressed like girls on Laguna Beach, which is like tank tops and jeans. Um, so I just think that's interesting. Like nobody, some people get to wear like fun earrings, but that's it. Okay, sloth, a New England girl through and through. Alex was born in Cape Cod, went to college at University of Massachusetts, Ooh. and now lives Zoom in ass. Boston. <laughs> when she's not cheering on the Patriots or the Red Sox, it's such it's like these people want to be as basic as possible not that liking sports is bad but well, just alex like if you're in the area for christmas we could get some dunks together and talk about your experience we okay. could i could do some ethnographic research for this podcast yeah um, she's working as an account manager for an it staffing agency Ooh. alex talks fast but tends to move slowly very slowly ooh. and i saw on the thing that she actually dresses like a sloth Oh, um, who was our shark? Or sorry, was that it was, the dolphin? That was Alexis, who was great. She was fun. She I was, I miss her. She had a personality. She did have a personality. And but this is the thing, like they had that once, like maybe somebody dressed up as something, and then they keep repeating that mm. trope. Like they don't understand humor. They're like, Well, that they was don't. funny. Let's just drive that into the ground. Oh, also just going back to how we should have known that Derek was a transphobic white supremacist when he came up in the minivan and was like, oh my God, crazy. Like, I'm a dad. Like, we're just in our minivan. We're going to, like, reproduce. Like, the white supremacist heteropatriarchy. Yeah, he came up with a minivan and Beck was like, ha, like, I love it. Um, And yeah, I can't believe she still picked him. Becca, if you're listening, break up right now. (laughs) Who was the other guy, Blake? Oh, Blake. I heard he's not such a nice guy. Yeah, I mean... (laughs) Not surprised. I, are any of these people nice? I mean, what is what is niceness? Um, Sean Booth. Sean is definitely nice. He just doesn't know any better, and I just I hope he's doing well. I Corinne, we hope you're doing well as Caitlin. well. Oh, Corinne. Oh, Corinne, that is a whole you were, other. I yeah. I mean, Ugh, I can't. That's that just was so the upsetting. BIP, yeah, the that, was that was bad. That was bad. Was just so upsetting, and I hope that she is doing well. Uh, she was in that Sasha Baron Cohen show. She was. I think that that. Um, I think they kind of made fun of her. I know. I mean, Corinne, you're problematic, but like you were, you were yourself. You you entered the real, as Zizek would say. Um, the quote. <laughs> parentheses unreal. Un, yeah. Um, Something else about Emily is that she loves the parentheses. I love deconstruction, um, yeah. etc. All right. Well, we've sort of just jumped all over the place, which so, is not an example. Well, you know what? Why are we apologizing? Right. This we, is, we're coming from a, a feminist grounded theory, which does not follow, follow a hierarchical way of learning. And that's exactly. Yeah, that's true. Um, so we are going to do one of these after every week. So sometimes there's like two episodes a week, but we're only going to do one a week because we're weak. We're taking a full course load. I mean, yeah. Come on. I mean, I'm frail. Yeah. I mean, we have... I mean, we have a lot to do. We're in a film theory class. Yeah. It's going to be really hard. So if anyone is film theory. We're in a genealogies class. Yeah. I don't even know what that is. That is going to be some fun historiography on um, cultural theory. Okay. I think so. So that will be a lot of reading. But like we will. Yeah. So like like you were saying, we're going to do one pod a week. Um, and we're going to be uploading our, our syllabus for you guys to check it out of like the text that we're going to do like a close textual reading. Um, 
feminist close textual reading and we'll and in the show notes on soundcloud we i will or we will add links or just other information about stuff we talked about or things that are related and if you have things if you have questions for us if you have suggestions on readings yeah because we're just like to like looking at our syllabus which we're still working on because we're academics um the only required text is the bachelor season 23 yeah. but um some of like the theories we're going to be going through are um deconstruction deconstructionism structuralism critical race theory performance theory marxism disability studies post-colonial theory queer theory psychoanalysis feminist post-feminist theory and postmodernism. and um of course each of us we have our own like research interests um uh i'm very interested in post-colonial theory um and feminist theory but i would love to get like more help on disability studies that's something that i'm not as familiar with yeah we i mean i think you can tell we're not experts on this so any we're just trying to figure it you know what i just undercut us i have to stop doing that yeah that's a very that's something that i'm working on but we are not experts we are students and we are learning along with you and i would love to educate myself more on disability studies yeah so this is another way to do it my research interests are not I'm kind of all over the place but I love post-feminism I love uh, popular genre so this is a really good so I'm very into this yeah type and of thing. we definitely want um, this to be like a collaborative project between ourselves and our three listeners maybe <laughs> um, and our public and counter public yeah see Michael Warner <laughs> um because we're this is a digital humanities project so all of them like you were saying robin like all of these texts are going to be like available and like if we can't upload them like as pdfs because we'll get sued then we'll like um like give you links or whatever but um yeah so we want like suggestions and every week like if you have a question about a theory that we're talking about um because we're going to read each episode through the lens of for example marxism so we're going to read um, the cultural industry, enlightenment is mass deception, close textual reading, what does week four, you know, how did these, like, how does the theory and the text interplay? Sorry, and that's bachelorcriticaltheory at gmail.com. And we're going to have, um, we're going to have like an Instagram and a Twitter at some point. We just haven't set that up yet, but yeah, you might be listening to this after the world ends and this is all survived true so by then we should have something yeah but um, we can have a linkedin page (laughs) we'll see okay but so definitely email us if you have suggestions about readings um if you have critiques things we can do better and then also just general questions questions about the show but also questions about like what does the signifier mean because i still don't know but we can work it out together can the subaltern speak Ooh, um hot take like can they i don't (laughs) don't know. know I mean, we could ask Spivak. Spivak email. Us. She's um. That joke's never gonna get old. Yeah. We're just gonna true say that Spivak is on the show later. Definitely. Right. Um. But yeah. So that's it. So thanks for listening, guys. Thank you.